Welcome to Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Lyons. As always, you can find the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Enterprise Hardcore Podcast, on Twitter at Podcast Hardcore. As always, thanks to all the Patreon subscribers. I'm sure you've been noticing lately you've been getting your early content. Uh, you're going to be getting that and so much more uh, moving forward. Uh, so yeah, this is episode 96. Uh, it's going to be an interview with Joe Valella that I also had Jim Callahan help me out with, with the co-hosting duties. Uh, this was recorded about a week ago. Uh, so we're going to take you to that conversation in progress shortly. Uh, Joe Valella has played in tons of Buffalo bands over the years. Um, he's currently in Pissing Match and Good Dude. Uh, Pissing Match are playing in Rochester this weekend with Salako, so make sure you check that out. So yeah, like I said, this is an interview that I conducted with Jim Callahan. Uh, last week we interviewed Joe Valella, so I hope you guys enjoy. Out now on Press Gang Records, Buffalo, New York's Wrong the Oppressor Cassette. Ellis Horse, the project from the minds of Rob Antonucci, and Ryan Hetz Cannabis, available on all streaming platforms. War self-titled 7-inch available in black and coke bottle clear. Pick these up at pressgangrecordsus.limiteredrun.com So tonight we're going to be welcoming uh, Jim Callahan back to the podcast, and we're going to be welcoming Joe Vallejo for the first time. Uh, I've done this kind of thing before with uh, like the guest interviews, and I thought it'd be kind of fun to do this because a lot of the stuff that uh, Joe has to talk about from the early 90s I wasn't around for, and I know Jim was, so I'd love to hear Jim's thoughts on it, and maybe Jim has a bunch of questions of his own. So I guess we'll, without all that being said, let's bring Jim on first. Uh, how's everything going for you tonight, Jim? Oh, man, I am often exhausted. Those effects. But like emotionally, emotionally, I'm in a great mood. Yeah, you were telling me you're exhausted beforehand. So like I said, before we recorded, I'm sorry for uh, keeping you uh, a little later for this. Um, it's good. It's complete first world problems. Uh, we had, uh, you know, a bachelor party for uh, my best friend and bass player, Patrick Loicano, uh, Joe knows Pat. And 
and then we drove to uh, Toronto to see Ghost and our boys in Mastodon, and then had Pat's wedding on Sunday. And I just haven't caught up on my sleep yet. That's all. That's a lot of that's a lot of stuff in a few days. That's probably as much stuff as I do in one year. So, and uh, I know you keep busy though, man. Like it seems like every week you're seeing like. I mean, I know in, re- in, in relation to your job, you're a part of a lot of shows too, but it feels like you yeah. go to as many shows as you work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, now that, you know, now that I got one son uh, out of the house and the other one's a, a senior in high school, my wife and I have a little more time to be uh, him and Marissa again. You know, we're not, we don't have to be uh, mom and dad as much as we used to be. Yeah. I'm the exact opposite now as, as I've kind of been telling you guys, uh, getting ready for all this. Um, but yeah, so you and I are going to be kind of talking with Joe Valella tonight, and uh, we highlighted a bunch of bands beforehand that we'll try to talk to him about, and I know there's a lot of uh, experiences with Lockport and stuff when Joe was booking shows that, that I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on. So, uh, But yeah, let's bring Joe on. How's everything going for you tonight, Joe? Everything's going awesome, man. How are you doing? Pretty good. I'm glad we're, I'm glad we're doing this, and uh, like I said, I'm kind of excited to, to have Jim be a part of this, too. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm 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 super excited too. It's been a while uh, since uh, since I got to hang out with Jim. So it's good, good to see your beautiful face, man. And uh, congratulations to Pat. Seeing he got married the other day. So yeah, you'll hear this, and I'll uh, I'll pass it along in person. Uh, all right, all right. Yeah, we'll I second the congratulations. Yeah, second the congratulations to Pat there. Um, well, yeah, I know we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff with shows and stuff, but before we get into all that, let's kind of talk about your upbringing a little bit, Joe, uh, before you found hardcore and punk and metal and kind of like what your musical interests were before that, too. Right. Um, so uh, I I, uh, I grew up um, kind of in a weird weird situation to a lot of people. It was normal to me, but it was, I guess you would call it a commune. Um, you know, it was up on a hill along the canal, um, me and my parents and my sister lived uh, above my grandparents. Right across the driveway is my aunt and uncle. Across that driveway is another uh, great aunt, great uncle. And uh, there's another house with relatives on there. Um, <clears throat> and uh, until I was seven years old, uh, just grew up on that hill. And uh, my cousin, uh, who I refer to as my brother, Joe Cassani, um, him and I were uh, Joseph, we're just... Yeah, 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 we're always together, yeah, you know. Always, and... What's that? Oh, I was just always saying I've always liked your cousin Joe a lot too. Yeah, I was thought yeah, he was a solid yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, good dude. But so him and I kind of discovered everything together, you know. And when we were like, I'm gonna say, I don't know, six years old, um, we found a, a cassette tape that my father had had, um, and on that was uh, a song called uh rap dirty by blowfly um and it was like supposedly the yeah it was like the first rap song ever recorded ever performed you know it was done in the i believe the 60s uh late 60s maybe early 70s he did it um and it and it took me and my cousin until the ad invention of the internet to to even figure out who this guy was it was just something that we had from from our childhood uh that we grew up listening to and it's a filthy song no six-year-old should ever listen to that or anything that blowfly does but um <clears throat> we uh you know even though we were surrounded by a lot of family we didn't have a lot of 
you know, people hovering over our head too much. So, so we got into some stuff. But from that point, we just kind of fell in love with rap. Um, and then we started doing everything we could to discover more. Um, you know, we were getting uh, uh, Grandmaster Flash records, uh, Sugar Hill Kang records. Um, you know, I think it was uh, Profile Records that was putting out these rap greatest hits um, records quite a bit. Um, yep. And yeah, yeah, and, and we just we just delved delved into that, and um, so I was a big hip hop head um, from the time I was I was pretty young. Um, Let me. Can I jump in and ask you something? For, are, you, are you talking about like, like as the shit was popping off, you guys were getting into it, or like a couple years later, or like I'm curious, like what year you were getting into all this? I guess. Well, if uh, six years old, that would have been 1982. So, so yeah, I mean, kind of as it was happening, we were, you know, we would go to Cavages and uh, buy whatever record looked cool or something like that, and 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 we would just discover discover these things together, and. Um, it was kind of that time. I I guess I fell in love with the um, the subculture of music, you know, just just total rap, you know. And then from there we got into break dancing. Uh, neither of us were good, but 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 we enjoyed doing it. And uh, you know, we're just kind of really on that hip hop culture. Um, and then uh, at seven years old, uh, I think my parents had split up, and then I moved away with my mother. Um, I'm still loving rap, but, uh, you know, my sister at that time had introduced me to Ozzy Osbourne. Um, and then I started listening to that. It was Blizzard of Oz. And I'm like, man, this is, this is kind of cool too. And then, so, you know, then I started discovering more and more metal music. Um, and, uh, which eventually led to the, finding the Sex Pistols. Um, I actually brought, um... Never mind the Bullocks on 12 inch uh, to school with me when I was in fifth grade. Uh, just as just kind of like a show and tell thing, and um, um, teacher didn't like it very much. Uh, so I, I was asked to, to bring that down to the principal's office and explain why I had a Sex Pistols record. Um, and then, you know, kind of from there, it 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 evolved into thrash metal. Um, you know, so I'm listening to, you know, bands like Warmock, um, of course, Metallica, Slayer, you know, all those guys and stuff at the skate sessions. Um, cause at this point now we're all into skateboarding, you know, it's, it was a big thing in Rockford at the time. Um, and just one day, like I've heard Minor Threat and everything and really, you know, I, I thought it was cool, but I never really dove into that. You know, I was a, I was a metalhead and a hip hop kid. Um, and then it wasn't until I heard Underdogs, The Vanishing Point, that it, it, it clicked for me, and I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Um, and then from that moment on, I just kind of took the deepest dive into hardcore music uh, possible. Like, I lived it for years. Um, didn't want to hear about anything else. You know, I just wanted more and more hardcore. And... Uh, Shit was tough back then to find stuff, you know. If you, you know, we find out about shows here and there, but uh, I was always too young to go. My parents would never let me. Um, any fanzines I could find, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of scouring through them. 
And then, uh, then what finally broke for me at 12 years old, I was able to go see uh, Killing Time, Wrecking Crew, Eye for an Eye, and Watchmen at the River Rock. And um, that, was, that was it. My, my whole world changed from that point. I, I was there. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fucking fantastic show. I mean, it was, I was completely blown away by what was going on around me. Um, and I'm just like, yes, this is, this is my thing now. Yeah, I was, I was 16 and had been going to shows for, you know, a couple of years, uh, mm-hmm. at that point, but I couldn't imagine being 12 and being at that show. I mean, I was yeah, blown away. Yeah. At, I was blown away at 16 and I was, be, you know, becoming, right. uh, you know, a, a fixture on the roster scene. I hadn't gone to very many out of town shows at that point, but right. man, right. at 12, that's a, that's a pretty amazing show to get to. And yeah, just, yeah, and, 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 and just so people on the on the podcast know, because uh, you know, obviously Josh and I are here in Rochester. Lockport's about what thirty minutes from Buffalo, forty yeah, minutes. Thirty minutes north. Thirty minutes north. Yeah, thirty. Yeah, so um, it wasn't like you were just going downtown. Like Josh and I both grew up in the city of Rochester, you know. So shows happening in Rochester were a little easier for us to get to at a young age. You had you had quite a ways to travel. Yeah, yeah, we were um, Jay Hunt's grandmother. That's uh, that's that's who brought us to to the early shows. She would nice. pack us all in her in her station wagon, and uh, we'd all go up to the River Rock like a happy family. But um, I also I remember what I wore to that show too, and it was absolutely amazing. It was a red mesh half shirt, and uh, I had I I, I think it was. Uh, combat uh combat pants camouflage pants so do you that, still have shirt? i i i don't i don't anymore but i if you want i'll buy one and i'll, I'll model it for you one of these days for the ind reunion that's what you have to wear oh uh, yes that's right that's right <laughs> yeah so it was at that time too that um i you know i met doug white um, who uh, has been a, a real driving force in my in my hardcore journey, I guess you would say. Um, you know, lifelong friend, love the dude, and then uh, yeah, that was the time when I met him, and he had uh, it was like awful long hair pulled back in a ponytail, and he had it like like draped over his shoulder. Yeah, um, yeah, that's the Doug I first met too. <laughs> yep, yep, with the with the super bright yellow guitar. Oh my God! It was it, it yeah. like you needed you needed sunglasses when Doug played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he was in the Watchmen, he played that yellow guitar, and then Parker on the other side had that bright pink guitar. Yep. And Parker was such a big hulking dude that it just looked like a ukulele in his hands. <laughs> um, but uh, the band that kind of did it for me at that show. Um, it was really neat to see the Watchmen finally after you know listening to their demos, but um, Eye for an Eye was, you know, they they just blew me, sonically they blew me away and yeah, yeah, and of course Killing Time was awesome, um, and then back in early two thousands on Soul Seek I found that show, um, the the Killing Time version I I have it on a hard drive and about halfway through. Uh, I believe it might have been this kid Tom Mullaney from Lockport or something like that, but you hear him halfway through say like yell Joe Valella, and I'm like, oh, sweet man, that's awesome. Yeah, 
So was your grandma coming into the show with you guys and like hanging out at the show with you too, or just like dropping you off and hanging out in the city for a little while? No, no, no. This was Jay Hunt's grandma, who she was a she was a neat lady, but uh, she would drop us off um, over across the street at the Seven Eleven, and then she'd just go back home until I think she came back and picked us up maybe around eleven ish or so when we would do that. And I think the show was the show was over by then. I think we were just kind of all hanging out, and I was just taking it all in. I don't know how I'd feel about yeah. doing something like that with my kids now. I'm sorry, what were you going to say, Jim? I was going to say, yeah, River Rock was in an interesting neighborhood, so. Um, and I just want to make a mention, too, obviously with Doug White, uh, we're on, like, episode 96 now, and he's probably had a hand in at least two-thirds of the guests that I've had with recording and so much, you know, else over the years, obviously, at the studio. So that's pretty crazy to think about, you know. How many bands he's been a part had a part of uh, yeah you 100 percent cannot mention uh hardcore any kind of aggressive music in western new york and uh you know not at, at some point it, you know it's 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 like 0.5 degrees of separation to doug so you know it, not even just the studio just i mean just as a musician also people you know people tend to forget that you know He's a phenomenal guitar player who has a long history of, uh, you know, not only being in bands with, with Joe here, but it's a long history of being in, you know, in bands. Watchmen was pretty influential to us when we were younger because, uh, you know, they were they were kind of doing something different than we had here in Rochester. And they were they were like chill guys from out of town. So it was nice to meet. Uh, nice to meet you. We always got a, you know, uh, endless. Uh, I know we're here to talk to you, Joe, but endless props to Doug. Uh, it's always nice going down little rabbit holes when we're when we can have these little conversations. Um, but uh, Joe, I don't know which came first, uh, like you booking shows or playing in bands. Um, definitely me uh, playing in bands first. Um, in like that kind of worked out where where Doug White um, actually he called me um, and said, "Hey, uh, you know we lost our bass player. Uh, do you want to try out?" And I'm like, absolutely, I do. And um, I could barely play bass, you know, anything. And I went down there. I tried out for the Watchmen um, and uh, <clears throat> just kind of fumbled my way through everything. It was it was, it was, was horrible. It was a mess. It didn't work out. Um, so, you know, I just you know, kept playing and stuff. And then when Watchmen finally broke up, then Doug called and said, you know, have you been playing? I'm like, yeah, absolutely, you know, getting, getting better, you know. So he's like, let's start a band. And I'm like, oh shit, hell yeah, yeah. You know, what do you want to do? And then uh, that was uh, that was when him and I started IND. Um, and at the time, it was just Doug and I. Um, we went down to his parents' basement on his four track with a rolling drum machine, and uh, we wrote six songs. Um, and but they were more like heavy industrial songs than they were hardcore songs. Um, you know, like ministry was really big, um, at that time, uh, the mind is a terrible thing to taste, um, kind of was just knocking everybody out left and right. So, so we wanted to do something like that. And that's, you know, we invited, invited our buddy Eric Lapp to come down and lay some keyboards down over it. 
But, uh, yeah, so 1992 is um, when, actually it was 1991 when we recorded our first, uh, our first six song demo. Um, and, uh, you know, we just kind of would go to shows, give them out, you know, whatever, whatever we could do. Um, but we weren't, we weren't a live band. Um, you know, we had a drum machine. We didn't have a real drummer. So I went to school with uh, uh, these dudes, Chris Smith and Jeff Cummings, who were in um, like a melodic metal band called Cenobis at the time. Um, you know, think like, like Dream Theater, but nowhere near as good. Um, but they were, they were, they were solid musicians. Um, so I asked them, I said, Hey, would you guys want to play these songs with us? And, and, and they were into it. Um, so, so we got them in the band and then we started, uh, you know, we started hashing out a live set and everything. Um, and, uh, our first show was, uh, it was in the winter. So I'm going to say it was probably February of 92 maybe or february of yeah yeah about february of 92 we played our first show um and it was at the scrapyard with this band called mal havoc from canada they were really um, good yeah yeah they were they were really really cool and also this band called the real rulers you remember them jim right yeah yeah um and uh so we played with with Jeff and Chris, and uh, that ended up kind of going away from that industrial edge, and and with their input in the songwriting and everything like that, we became a, a, actually a pretty decent, in my mind, thrash metal band, um, and we recorded two demos with them too, um, and by this time, I just kind of. I didn't want to be in a metal band anymore. I didn't want to be in a band with these two guys anymore. And I'm like, dude, let's just, let's be, let's like write hardcore songs and, and let's just kind of do that. You know, we'll get this kid, Eric Vincent, playing drums, who was in a band called Fight for Expression at the time. Um, and uh, so after IND recorded our third demo, then we kicked those two guys out. And uh, that's when we got... Eric and uh, Derek Prelwitz, a kid named Derek Prelwitz from Chictawaga. Um, we got them in the band, and, and that's when we just completely changed up to be a hardcore band. Um, so we had played maybe one show or something like that, and I think that's... No. I'm sorry, i got to go back. It's uh, trying to remember it all now. Um, actually, no, the first show I booked was with... Chris and Jeff, when we were a metal band, um, and that was at Kenzie's in '92, um, probably the end of the winter, around that time, um, and that was with uh, Fight for Expression and um, Jonestown Field Trip. I think might have played that one, but um, <clears throat> so we just. You know, I went to this place called Kenzie's. My dad had encouraged me to go talk to Joe Kenzie. Um, so I walked down there, and I'm like, hey, would you want to have some kids play music? You know, do an all-ages thing here upstairs. And um, he wasn't really convinced at first. And, um, yeah, you know, then I, I said, I'm like, hey, we could probably get like 100 people through the door. 
And uh, then his ears perked up, and he's like, oh, okay, so we'll do like a 60-40 split or something like that. So him taking the 60. Um, so we ended up booking that show, and uh, it wasn't only 100 kids. It was like, I think it was 275, between 275 and 300 that had showed up to that. Um, and it was it was just an amazing, a great show. And that's kind of what started the whole Lockport uh Lockport shows thing, um, and then, yeah. So now we play our first show with Chris and Jeff. Um, two months later, then I booked the second show, and that's also with Chris and Jeff because we were releasing a uh, our third demo at that time, and that is when uh, Moment of Truth came, um, Slugfest. Um, shit, who else played? Jones South Field Trip. Jonestown Field Trip, yes, they played that one too. Um, and uh, that show would, what would you say, man? Like, like, way over capacity it was. Oh yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. it was insane. It was insane. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and uh, that's where the, the I guess the famous um, or infamous uh, Slugfest Live at Kenzie's demo was recorded. Um, but what that was, that was a sick show and that show was, it was, it was a turning point for, for Lockport. Um, and that's when I really got, got heavier into, into booking shows more often. Now I'm curious too, cause like, obviously I know there's like a Rochester connection and, and Buffalo, but like as Jim referenced earlier, like Lockport is, is like a good 30, 30 minutes away from Buffalo or whatever. Is there like a separate scene of people at that point? Like, uh, like, like how how big of a scene from just Lockport was it? You know what I mean? Most most of the crowd was just Lockport, um, so it was, it was just a lot of kids. Uh, you know, that was around the time I guess uh, grunge was getting big. You know, you know, kind of all that stuff. So people wanted an alternative music to to you know to go watch and stuff. And you know, there was a lot of kids who weren't into hardcore, but. I mean, they were they were filling the room up, and and they were buying merch from from these bands coming from out of town and stuff like that. So it was, you know, yeah, they weren't all hardcore kids, but it was a uh, it was a very very good turnout of people who just wanted to see live music and support the bands, and um, you know, it it worked out pretty well for a long time. Um, yeah. And then it eventually shifted to where, you know, those people kind of go away, but and then it was the Buffalo kids coming and also Rochester people were coming too. even though we're an hour and 15 away from Rochester, we were getting a lot of Rochester traffic, a lot of Rochester bands. Um, yeah. Yeah. From, from the Rochester perspective, we always saw like Buffalo, Lockport, Rochester, Southern Ontario, you know, like Northwestern Pennsylvania, like, one scene it was just it was yeah. all just one yeah and and it was back then because we would all travel to each one of those places for for whatever yep. shows you know if it was a dinky little local show or if it was uh you know someone bigger coming you know a sick of it all or something like that coming through we were we were kind of all over the region back then or, or you know and then you know to give uh props to you you know like bringing in a band, you know, like Mayday, who people never would have heard of, or, and, and having Earth Crisis play, and Edgewise, and I just, I just remember going to see a ton of uh, really good shows at uh, 
at Kenzie's, you know, like Fade Away played their last show there. Um, yeah. Uh, actually, the show you mentioned that we played with you was our singer Jason's last show with the band for like that's right 20 years or something. It was right, right. Yeah, that was before Greg came in. Yeah. Yeah. So I, before like the podcast came along and maybe like one message board post or something somewhere, like I, I never knew all this stuff. Like, cause, cause a lot of these shows probably came like maybe three years before I really got into all this. So like how, like how long did you book shows for? And like, how many, how many, how many would you estimate that you booked in all that time? Um, I, I, I still book shows every now and again, you know, real low key. But, yeah. um, when I, when I was doing it, pretty heavy um i booked from 92 to like 97 so so a good five years um you know probably did i'd say over over 75 shows you know i i i don't even you know at this point i don't even remember but it was it was a lot it was it was kind of like i worked a, a you know i worked but um, it was like a full-time, full-time thing to me. Um, now I remember, yeah. uh, Kenzie's and, um, was it Summer's Place? Is that the other, were there any Summers. other, any other Lockport places I'm forgetting? Yeah, there was, uh, the Moose Lodge. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. One, one show happened there. Um, yep. I didn't book that one. Jeremy Smith, I think, both booked that one. And then, uh, we did shows at the Niagara Hotel for a while, too. Um, oh, I remember that place. Yeah, yeah, it's just a filthy hole in the wall, you know. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, but that's that's where 108 and Bloodlet played, and uh, yep. also Disengage played their first show. I think Hourglass might have played their first show. That might have been their first show as well there. I played a show with um, uh, Steve Mack, Joe Garlop, and Scott Vogel singing. We did all Grilla Biscuits covers. We okay. became yeah, band, I remember We that. became a band that day. And played yeah. like five GB songs. <laughs> yeah. Also, the first Chris, uh, Chris Logan was playing guitar for Burst of Silence at the time. Right, right. And uh, Slowpoke yeah. played, and it was the only time I saw him, and they were so good. Slowpoke really, really was good. You know who loves Slowpoke is Chris Wyatt, man. If you ever bring him up to Chris Wyatt, oh, Wyatt he, he can go. Yeah, he can go on and on and on about that band. Uh, yeah, they, they, they were uh, they were they were pretty impressive, man. I think they were from Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they played up here uh, Niagara Falls a couple times. They played Lockport. Um, yeah. yeah. Any other uh, noteworthy or memorable shows before we uh, kind of talk about some other bands that you've played in over the years? Yeah, yeah. So you had uh, you had sent me a message um, just asking me about uh, you know certain certain things that had gone down at, uh, at shows. And uh, one thing that that, it, that happened in Lockport actually a few times was uh, just a, an outright fucking riot. Um, it was like the maybe the fourth show at Kenzie's, and, and something happened. We were playing at the time, and then all of a sudden the whole fucking place cleared out. And it's like, what the hell is going on? And then you're hearing, like, people are trying to throw each other over the bridge into the locks and stuff like that. And just, like, there was straight up, there was, at one point, there was, like, 30 different fist fights going out in the street. And mind you, we're right next door to the police. 
right next door to the police station. Literally next door, yeah. They didn't, yeah, they didn't come. Uh, there's a fucking riot going out in front in their parking lot, you know, just people fighting in the streets and shit like that. And uh, they they never, they didn't come to like a half hour later. It was it was it was absolutely ridiculous. But um, a lot of people got got lumped pretty bad at that show. Um, and we were we were pretty worried for for a while that that we weren't going to be able to do that anymore. Um, if Kenzie's was going to you know, if, if they were going to shut us down or if the police were going to shut us down. Um, and, uh, Joe certainly didn't cause, uh, Joe Kenzie was, he was, you know, they, they were bringing in some good dollars from, from those shows and stuff. So, so he let us keep going. The police never kind of came and bothered us. Um, and then, um, it was a show, uh, I, I want to say it was in 1993. Um, God, I don't even remember who played it, but uh, there was a couple guys from Rochester that were undesirables um, that that then, you know, kind of started a, a bit of a riot at that show, um, and and that one had had more eyes on us because this all happened like right in the parking lot of the police station, um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I mean there was uh, parents that were trying to stop the shows and stuff from happening because everything was too violent too violent too violent but um after that it 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 kind of kind of cleared up um you know there weren't any real any any problems at our shows you know after that we kind of you know we wouldn't let certain people in that's for sure but uh but yeah, those, yeah guys, it was, uh, those guys found their way out of the roster team too so. yeah 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 yeah, they did. Yep. It's uh, it's amazing how, how at one point, you know, they were so accepted and uh, not accepted, but they were allowed oh. to be in the same room, you know, and 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 then just one day, you know, all of us got sick of their shit and and uh, just kind of banished them. Yep. Um, so, but uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a couple couple good, real good fights that uh, that a bunch of people got hurt at. Yeah, that around the time when, when things they were getting kicked out, I think it was right around the time when I got into the scene because there was a, a couple of notorious shows here and in Buffalo around that time, uh, the Integrity Show, and uh, I wasn't at the sick of it all show, but I know shit happened there too or whatever. So I know, I don't know if people were already kind of already fed up with them long before that, but it seemed like that was the era where that was the last I ever heard any of those dudes, you know, like '97 or whatever. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think they were they were out of the. You know, I kind of are seen before '97, so thank, thank goodness. But it was, uh, it was definitely the Warp Tour of '97, I think, where, um, where a few of them showed up to the to the Warp Tour, and they proceeded to get jumped by about 50 of us. And then I think that was the last time I've I've seen any uh, proud, proud white power uh, people walking around a, a hardcore show in the Buffalo area. Yeah, an interesting trivia note about that warp tour is that we were parked like six cars over from their car, oddly enough, and their car definitely got like destroyed, uh, yeah. leaving the parking lot or whatever. So just like they did uh, at the show or whatever. So what uh, uh, what what number warp tour was that? Might have been number four. Okay, I think that was ninety seven, right, Joe? That when that all yeah. happened, because that was the year of Sick of It All. Snapcase played. I'm pretty sure, right? 
they played a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they, they did play it. Yeah, because Sick of It All and Snapcase, I think, played the... No, Sick of It All and Orange 9 played the first one with yeah. uh, Quicksand. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I went the first and the third, and I cannot yeah, remember what those were. Yeah, I'm, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure it was the fourth one, because that, that was when they were starting to get all, like, you know, more than three stages up. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think yeah. Kid Rock might have played that one or something like that. Yeah, that I dodged it. <laughs> I think he was doing some weird DJ shit. I didn't even know who he was at the time. And uh, mm. a drummer friend of Jim and I's, Crook. I think you remember you remember Crook, obviously, Jim. Oh, of course, uh, yeah, yeah. I still, I, I yeah, still see that dude around. He's still a good dude. Yeah, yeah. He he was like he was like, yo, check out this dude, uh, Kid, Rock, Kid Rock over here. And I was like, I don't even know who the fuck that is. And then like, it was like literally like six months later, he was all over like MTV and all the other bullshit right. or whatever. You know, that's funny. I mean, he got to start in, like hip hop or whatever. He was still like like DJing or whatever at the time, but. Mm-hmm. Not not for much longer after that or whatever. Obviously, um, well, he, was, he was a fucking poser then. He's a fucking piece of shit poser now. And fuck that. Yeah, hundred percent. Hey, he's an American badass, guys. Let's... <laughs> um, before, oh shit. Before we uh, jump into the the local band, well, kind of the band that has local ties, I guess the Rochester that you played in, uh, Joe. Were there any other bands that you want to uh, uh, talk about before fledgling death? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, so, all right, so, you know, I talked about IND a little bit here, um, and then, uh, somewhere around maybe 19, I, I want to say maybe 94, um, IND had broken up, um, for whatever reason, I don't remember, so probably something stupid, and then, uh, me and the drummer Eric had started a band called Shattered, um, which, uh, I was actually singing for, um, and uh, he was playing drums. Um, had a kid, Brian Brzezowski, playing guitar. Uh, Phil Bukowski played the other guitar. And uh, this girl, Sharon Pittis, was playing bass. Um, and we recorded uh, one demo, five songs, and it was fucking awesome. You know, it was super, it was more progressive than, uh, than anything I've ever done at that time. Real, real metal, real heavy. Um, and then... Um, that that kind of that that's I think that might have been when I was at my my most hyper um, you know insane self and uh, that just kind of went away by the shitter. But out of that band, um, you know, half of us went and started uh, I and D again, which then we changed our name to Bane, um, and then the other half went and started a band called Disengage. Um, <clears throat> And they had put out their their demo. We had put out uh, a demo as well. And then just a couple months after both of us started, we literally flip-flopped guitarists. We said, all right, Doug, I think you want to do that more. And Eric, Eric LaRoche, who was in that band, was like, I think you want to do, you know, this more. So we flip-flopped guitarists and... um, and that's uh, that's that's how Disengage was birthed. Um, so I wasn't in Disengage, but uh, I did love them, you know. And and you know, just had a lot of my good friends in that band. Uh, Doug Doug definitely once he joined that band, stepped they you know they stepped him up tenfold. So and, and obviously then, that um, was your first time, like that was like your first time doing vocals in a band. Obviously, or no, no, because I sang for IND. 
um, oh, when you? we when we had first started. Doug and I had would would we would exchange vocals. Um, so, but it was the first time I was singing without an instrument in my hand. That's more yeah, it's more like a lead vocalist. Yep, yep, yeah. yep, yep. And it was uh, it, it, pretty fantastic. You know, I um, I think we did play one show at Summer's Place with um, Face Value. Um, and that was a show where, where Tony Erba, uh, God, God love him, man. He just came out and, uh, opened the set with, uh, who the fuck is summer and why are we in her place? Where? <laughs> and then, uh, you know, he said some, some other kind of fucked up shit, but it was, it was funny if you know Erba, you know, it's, it's just Erba being Erba at that time. And, uh, the owner's daughter. Well, that's, still, that's still over today, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I know it's I know it's still in today. Yeah, but uh, it was a little 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 looser back then. But yeah, uh, well, yeah. so yeah, yeah. The owner comes out to me and he's like, "Dude, what the fuck did he just say about my daughter?" I'm just like, "Dude, just chill, man, just chill." And uh, he's, like, "I want them the fuck out of here now." I'm like, "I ain't doing it. I ain't throwing them out." I'm like, "I want to watch them play." Uh, and uh, I, I won that battle, you know. Fucking face value. Uh, fucking ripped shit at that show. Is that the only time that, a band you booked has caused that kind of animosity with like a club owner where they wanted them like off the stage like while they were playing or whatever? Um no. No. Uh we had a few incidents with um with a band called H one hundreds. Oh, another Tony Herba project. Which is also Tony Herba. Um <clears throat> uh yeah, they had uh when they when they would play at Kenzie's, man, something something would always happen, like a, a a wrestling a wrestling match on stage or something like that. But um, uh, the singer had uh, had spit on a girl at one of the shows and stuff like that, and so he was, you know, the owner's just like, look, these guys need to fucking chill out. And and again, I'm like, well, you want to tell them? I ain't gonna tell them. Yeah. But uh, and then we had a towpath play. Uh, Kenzie's one time where uh, Goat Lord Wormwood was their singer and uh, Goat Lord was uh, I believe this was a show he was sticking chestnuts up his ass and then shooting them back out Um, Mm -hmm. and then also uh, they had a song called Force Fed Bags of Rotten Meat and and they were kind of wiping their ass with raw chicken breasts and throwing them out in the crowd um yeah, that wasn't that wasn't appreciated. I mean, it was appreciated by me. I fucking loved it. But and this is a tip, very typical Topath story too. This is not that wasn't that night. That was Topath. Oh yeah, that was every night with them guys. Um, yeah, they were they were they were a great band. So you know, with the the whole kind of going back to the the band thing you know the whole ind bane thing um we did uh those were the first records i ever put out too we put out three records um one one seven inch with just us our second seven inch which was uh it was a split seven inch that larry ransom had put out um it was ind on one side and it was moment of truth on the other side i believe that was the first recording with greg for you it was yes yep um that that record was fucking awesome and then um and then when we had changed our name to bane we put out uh a free seven inch um 
that we actually repressed. Um, so we paid for 500, we gave them all away, and then we did another pressing of 200. Um, it, it helps when you have a member who owns a recording studio. Yes, it does. It does. It really does. It saves, it but, saves a lot on, you know, some people have said to me back in the day, like, you know, IND, Bain, whoever, you know, like, gives away their stuff. How can they afford that? Or they, it always seems like IND has a new demo out. And I was like, they rehearse at a recording studio that the guitar player owns. Right, so what do right. you yeah, I, I swear I have uh, I have maybe ten demos, and I don't I'm, I think I'm still missing like like five or six of them. Yeah, I mean, I mean MOT and IND yeah. played together all the time, and I think you yeah. guys have something new every single time we play together. Yeah, yeah, we just yeah, we should rip yeah. When you don't let the record, you can you can right, spend right. more. Than were... yeah, right. Yeah. Whether they were good songs or bad songs, most were bad. But uh, we were still just, you know, writing, writing and writing and writing and recording. Those were in the tape days, too, before digital. Yep. Yep. So, uh... Yeah, I got a question for you. Go ahead. I got one yeah. for him, Josh. Uh, favorite Lockport band that you weren't in, Joe? Favorite Lockport band that I wasn't in um, is going to be... You already know the answer. It would be a red line. That's the answer. Yeah, yeah, that that is the answer, man. Uh, Matt Tory, God rest his soul, uh, fucking best front man. Just, the best, just the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a very very special dude, man. I miss him a lot. Yep. Now, wasn't there? Uh, wasn't there like? Um... A metal band from around the early '90s that was like a couple of girls whose parents owned a music store or something. Was that a Lockport band? That would have been Inner Sanctum. That's right. That's right. They played with Moment. They came to Rochester and played here once with us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kick Twins, and they were they they were a death metal band. They were they were actually yeah. playing. I, I think they they played a lot of shows around that time uh, in the death metal scene or whatever. But yeah, their parents owned a. Um, I believe it was a pet store. Oh, somebody told me it was like a musical instrument store. No, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a pet store that they owned. Yeah, you'd know better than me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they actually, I guess in the death metal world, I guess they got pretty pretty big. I mean, they never were in any of the circles of the death metal bands I was listening to, but yeah, they lived around the corner from uh, from my parents. Nice. Yeah, back back in the day in, in Rochester, uh, MOT played with all of the metal bands. So I got to yep. know yep. all the I got to know all the metal bands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was I think I want to say the third show we ever played was in Rochester at Club X, and that was with uh, you guys, Biohazard, and did Baphomet play? Yes, they did. In a band called Raid. That was on Easter Sunday. It was, yeah. Good memory. Yeah, my family was fucking pissed because me and Joe were both like, yeah, we're going here. <laughs> was that like Urban Discipline era or a little bit before? No, it was uh, before. That was their first record. First album. Uh, record. Yeah, it was, it was just before Urban Discipline. 
urban discipline. Yeah. Yeah, just before. They were playing some of those songs, but the album wasn't out yet. Right. And one thing I'm kind of curious about is it's kind of funny because Rochester had Foundation, and then years later uh, in the South there was a band called Foundation. Did you ever uh, give any recorded material to the Boston band Bane at any point in time from your old band Bane? No, or were you no, just I, like, I, I didn't. I didn't. But but they know who the real Bane is. <laughs> I had a I had a pretty good knack for uh, for naming bands. Apparently, pretty good names. Um, you know, there was Bane. Um, I was also in a band called Contempt uh, before X Contempt X, um, and then uh, another kind of like weird punk band that I did called Hourglass, where we actually we played a show with um, I, I think it was Conviction and Earth Crisis up at the house for Zach. Um, but that that was it. We just kind of fell apart after that. It was my buddy uh, Brian McIntyre played bass. Jake Vanderlyn played guitar, and Eric, uh, the drummer for I and D and Bane and all that stuff, he played drums. Um, but uh, but yeah, we covered a support song <laughs> at that it's show. Funny. But uh, yeah, but but after that, it, it fell apart. And I remember having a conversation with um, with Gerald when Next to Nothing changed their name to Hourglass, and I was like. You know, I was in a band called Hourglass. He just he was like, "Yeah, you guys played one show." He was like, "It's a good name." I'm like, all right, that's legit. Hey, so when Conviction yeah. played Lockport, was that in, that was in your cousin's basement, right? That was in Joe Cassini's yeah, basement. In, yep, that was in Cassini's basement. That was okay. uh, Con- Conviction Slugfest. Um, did you guys play? Redline no. played. I know that. You guys didn't play. Okay. No, Greg. And Greg I, and I were there, and I I fell asleep on the way home, and uh, uh, wrecked my car. So I couldn't remember oh, if it was your house or or, or, uh, or Kasani's house. Yeah, it was, it was at Joe's house, and that was uh, that hill. That was the the compound that I grew up on, which is now. Oh, there's the hill. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which now has a street sign that says Volala Hill on it. <laughs> oh, right. Is yeah, it still yeah, a yeah. Compound? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there's only two houses of family up there now, but uh, the other two houses are are occupied by who? God, who knows? But you need to but, buy them yeah, back. Still there. Yep, yep. And now, now it has an official name. It's Valala Hill. So, were you were you like in fledgling death from the very beginning, or did you join like? Because I, like I was telling you beforehand, like I didn't really know all those dudes like in the very beginning. Because I was just kind of kind of new to the scene around that point, right. or you know what I mean, local scene and whatnot. I knew like Eric Saner and I knew who Doug White was, obviously, but I guess I didn't really know like everybody else. So right, yeah. So I um I was in the first live um, version of of Fledgling Death. Um, they recorded a three song demo. Eric, um, if you know, I don't know if you know Chris Dawson. He's in Elusive Travel now. He was in Windbreed. Um, you know, still to this day, great friend of mine. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they recorded a three-song demo, and then Doug's just like, hey, you want to play bass on this? And I listened to it. I'm like, this is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Absolutely, I want to play bass. <clears throat> um, so so then we, yeah, we, we started uh, playing with Fledgling Death. Um, so we had Eric Saner and Chris, two guys from Rochester, me and Doug, two guys from Buffalo Lockport. Um, and, uh, all of the years that we were a band, 
We played Buffalo one time. We played Rochester probably 150 fucking times, but we played we played uh, Buffalo one time with Lethargy at the uh, Showplace Theater. Uh, I um, tallied it, uh, Joe. It was actually 148 times. 148. Okay. All right. I knew it was somewhere around there. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's funny because when you and I were talking before uh, Jim joined on earlier, before I hit record, I, we were talking about because Fledging Death was like one of the first like local bands I saw or whatever. And we were talking more about like penny arcade shows, but I I saw Fledging Death more at like Water Street. Like you mentioned Lethargy, like you guys I feel like played at Water Street with Lethargy at least a few times, right? Yeah, 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 we did. Um, you know, we played a ton at at, uh, at the penny arcade, but uh, we also we got we got around everywhere else in Rochester to uh, Vertex. Um, but uh, one proud accomplishment that I have is that you know we played one show at at Water Street with uh, Lethargy and Bug House, and it was a, like a triple CD release show, fucking sold Water Street out. Three local bands just, you know, sold it out. That was that was, that was was a pretty special one, for sure. Well, that's why yeah, I was, that's, that's that's why I was mentioning I was saying that show was insane. There was, it was 800 people there, and I think I knew all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, a, it was a gathering of everyone, and we had... At that show, we had the best merch ever too, because I we I just raided my father and my mother's closets, and we were like screen printing like fucking, uh, you know, like blazers, women's blazers with shoulder pads and shit like that. Um, I think uh, my dad's tidy whiteies we were screening, um, and we just we sold all the goofiest shit there, and it, it you know everything was a dollar. I think we sold about. Uh, 130 pieces of merch that night or something like that but uh man that was a that was a really really a great show um and yeah yeah lethargy was fucking just amazing remember they had that that homeless guy kind of open up open up for him where he just he just went on this rant and rave um just in front of 800 people at the water street everyone's like huh yeah, he's you still. Uh, oh yeah, he still uh, he still wanders around uh, Monroe Ave, uh, uh, drunk and ranting and raving. You can you can still find him on the on the streets. Yeah, I'll have to keep an eye out for him. I'm in Rochester quite a bit. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, that's why I brought up the Water Street thing though, because those, those lethargy shows were always pretty packed there, and it seemed like them and Bughouse played there quite a bit. And I feel like Fledging Death, like I said, played there a few times too. Um, mm-hmm. Did you guys do like any touring or anything though? Or uh, no, no, we didn't. Um, we were, I think we at one point we were gearing up to uh, to start booking a tour because um, we had our we had our CD out at the time, and it was selling pretty well. Um, and. Uh, I think that's when, that's when Eric Saner just kind of didn't want to do it anymore, and um, and he had he had quit. I think he might have. Was that around the time Shotokan started? Uh, right around that time, he he was only yeah. in the band yeah. for like two practices, one show. Okay, okay, all right, but uh, but yeah, he didn't want to do it anymore, and then we were just kind of like, ah, shit, what are we gonna do? Um, you know, so we kind of, I guess, you know, I hate to say it, but we went on hiatus for about six months. 
and then uh, then we got Jay Gelvin to sing for us. Um, and uh, we recorded a, a five-song EP with him uh, called Fuck Everyone. Um, and uh, <clears throat> those songs were, you know, with Eric. Eric had these real deep, guttural, just this real deep, guttural voice, like, you know, and, and Jay was on the other spectrum. He was screaming high with a lot of uh, a lot of effects, a lot of delays and everything like that. And it was, I mean, it was it was almost just like insanity, you know, just coming out of his mouth, everything that he was doing. Um, and because uh, we had told him, like, you know, listen, we, you know, we want to be the craziest band. There is, and and he took that and he fucking ran with it, man. Um, and he, we played our first show at the Penny Arcade um, with Jay. It was packed, front to back. Um, within four songs, after after Jay calling everybody in the place like a, a fucker, a shithead, a piece of shit, we look out there. There's like like twelve people left. And then everyone's like, I want to fucking kill your singer. Like, ah, you know, it's, it's an act. It's an act. It's an act. Um, and, uh, but we, uh, so we never even got to put that demo out with Jay, which was uh, kind of a bummer, because it's, it really is like, it was a different fledgling death. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so we played our, I think our next show, it was at uh, a place called New York Nights. And that was was that Liberty Pole Way? Yeah, that was also Liberty Pole Way. That 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 place had been a bunch of things, but um, mm-hmm. uh, as you know from being in it, at one point it was a church. It's it's a church again, but it was a club okay. for a while. Mm-hmm. I saw like Motorhead and Megadeth and like a ton of but King Diamond. I saw King Diamond in there on Halloween night on, on the them tour. That was a pretty cool place. Oh, did you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah that had to be cool. Well, we weren't like there. <laughs> Uh, so this, the show that we played was a tattoo convention, uh, that was going on. And, um, so Jay, he had just gotten his Ren and Stimpy tattoo on his back. I don't know if you ever saw that tattoo, but it's no. fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we kind of went up there. I had, uh, I had some work done on my arm or something, and, you know, so we'll all enter or whatever. We're standing in line right next to a, uh, Right next to a gentleman, um, I don't know if I should name names, but I'm going no. to, Donnie Death, Donnie Death? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so Donnie Death is in front of us, and uh, he takes off his shirt or whatever, and he's got like a fighting Irish tattoo next to a fucking swastika tattoo on his back, and uh, so Jay can't, you know, just he can't let that one go. Uh, he was just like, he was like, dude, don't you know that the Irish were the most oppressed people in Europe for fucking hundreds of years? And you're wearing a fucking swastika right next to that? Like, what a fucking idiot, you know? And then Donnie just kind of didn't do anything about it, you know? He's, I don't know, you know, he was just, uh, you know, whatever. Tried buying Jay, like, a couple drinks throughout the night. Um, and at this point, we were, we were drinking, um... Natural ice, which uh, when you get natural ice and myself and Jay Galvin together, shit always goes down kind of 
kind of weird. Um, but we don't think anything of it, you know. We're just kind of hanging out at the show. The band that plays before us is some kind of a, I don't know, a nine-inch nailsy kind of band. I, I didn't really pay attention to it. We were all too fucking drunk to care. Um, and uh, so they step off stage. They're they're done with their set, and they left all of their props and shit up on stage. Um, and then. So we get all, all our shit set up. By this time, it's, it's getting late at night. Um, and, and we proceed to start playing. And just, we fucking destroyed everything that was on stage. Uh, you, you know, Jay's just throwing their mannequin around all their fucking shit. He's like, fuck them for leaving it or whatever. Um, and, uh... It, it was it was just nuts. Um, Eric Burke was there. He could tell you some stories on that. But uh, we get to the third song, and then the power just gets shut right off on us. They just shut the whole thing down, and they're like, you guys need to get the fuck out of here now. Um, so we uh, we got kicked out, and uh, we're, we're kind of gathering everything together. And... Um, <clears throat> Jay is over, he's walking towards my car with like a drum, or no, not a drum, but but something, maybe a bass head or something like that, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, the gentleman I mentioned earlier, and uh, a few of his band mates, uh, fucking, you know, they jump Jay, um, and uh, this is going on, once we see it, then we run over there, um, I'm with Todd Sullivan, was with me, uh, Mark Rosenberg was with me, um, there was a couple other people with me, um, and, uh, oh, this kid Mike Reed, and, uh, we're like, we're like over there, and then we see it, we try fucking pulling people off, these guys are all way bigger than we are, um, and then Mike Reed is over there saying, he's thinking that there's some, that these guys are fighting over who's more Jewish? And he's like, he's like, what are you doing? Jay's Jewish. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. I'm like, dude, that's not the fucking point here. You know, like this guy obviously doesn't, you know, so I'm, I'm like, what the fuck, man? So I hop in my car and I get my car, I spin my car around and, uh, you know, as, as I'm pulling up, I open the door and I'm like, jump in, jump in, jump in. So Jay jumped in while his legs are still hanging out. I circle around again. I'm trying to fucking kill these people. Like, I'm driving my car right into them as fast as I possibly can. They all fucking get out of the way. I just hop a curb, and then we drove home. Um, and that was the last... The, that was when Fledgling Death broke up. Somewhat for good, but that, that was the last time I was involved in it uh, for many years. Um, I think Matt Tharp took my place on bass, but uh, I, you know, I just... Uh, and Doug was a little pissed off at us, as he should have been, because we were just insane that night. So, but uh, but yeah, that was that was the last uh, show of of that you know that first run of fledgling death. You weren't you weren't there for that that night either, Jim. No, uh, no, that was a night I avoided. Yeah, that was that was a good night to avoid. Also. Um, What's his name? Ingve Malmsteen had played in Rochester that night. And he had gone to New York Nights, and apparently um, the legend has it that he uh, went up to the bartender 
we started playing, and he just looked at him, at the bartender, and said, this is the worst fucking display of musical talent I've ever seen, and then he left. That's a great compliment coming from... It is, it is. Coming from Ingve, who's... Yeah, that dude sucks, but... But uh, yeah, that was uh, that. Still to this day, Josh, uh, it's one of the craziest nights of my life. Um, you know, I, I I've only told you a quarter of went real, what went down that night. Um, you know, but we can we could definitely write a write a fucking full length novel about that night. I interviewed Jay like exactly two years ago, and, and he pretty much gave exactly the same details you did too. So I'm sure that there's reason to only tell <laughs> what you guys did or whatever. So right, right. Right, there was about five different insane events going on all night long, so it was, uh, it was a pretty interesting one. I have a completely tangential story about New York Nights, Josh, that feel free to edit out. Uh, I was there one night seeing um, Brian Setzer Orchestra. Always been a Stray Cat slash Brian Setzer fan. This was before the you know, swing dance revival thing popped back up in the 90s. Um, Always been a fan of the guys. Okay, uh, uh, context over. But so I'm there seeing them play. That same night, uh, the SOD reunion was happening at the Penny Arcade. So I'm just hanging around and you know waiting for the uh, waiting for the headliner to come on. And I see that uh, Scott Ian and Charlie Benante are at the club. So I go up to him and I'm like, Oh, hey guys, what's going on? Uh, aren't you guys supposed to be down at the Penny Arcade tonight? And uh, Charlie was like, yeah, aren't you supposed to be down at the Penny Arcade tonight, too? And I was like, no, bro, I'm supposed to be right here. Have a good show. And I walked away. <laughs> uh, well, I guess the last interest, the last thing I'll say about New York Nights before I move along is that uh, uh, my old band, uh, Bob Barker, played there one time on uh, Christmas 96, maybe, with, like, Lethargy, Shop Class Squares... I have no idea how we even got on the show, honestly. I think maybe Rob Filardo got us on it, but it was a pretty cool show. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like they always did cool Christmas shows, but that was probably definitely the only time they ever did one there. Yeah. You know. um, uh, Joe, have you been playing bands consistently this whole entire time, too, over the years? Yes. Um, there, were, there, was a, there was a brief little period where I stopped, um, and that was in, in 2005 when my son was born. Uh, my, you know, my oldest son, Paul, I just, uh, I, it was, you know, it was a weird time. My father had died, um, a, a year before and I was just kind of, kind of a wreck, you know, but also trying to figure out how can I balance these two things out? You know, this, uh, fatherhood and, and, and playing music. Um, but it wasn't long, you know, it was, it was only about six, seven months that I, that I just kind of hung it up. And then I, I, you know, I figured out a a way that I could balance both of them uh, the best that I could. So, uh, The last couple bands we'll probably jump into real quick before we talk about the current stuff is uh, like Bleed For Me and, and Herod. I feel like people from around here are, are, will be familiar with too. Uh, were you were you doing Bleed For Me the whole time? or? Yeah, yeah. Bleed For Me started, um, me and Jay started Bleed For Me. Um, <clears throat> and actually our first uh, demo had three... No, had two of those fledgling death songs from that last demo with Jay, um, and we uh, yeah, so we we got together with this uh, drummer I knew, Chris Gajewski, who was in Sam Twenty Two with me. Very very good technical drummer. 
Um, <clears throat> and so, so Jay and I, I started that um, after we were in Yellow Number no. Five, which is a, a new metal band that we did between those. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we just, uh, we just wanted to do real hardcore at a time when everybody was doing metalcore. Um, <clears throat> You know, so uh, so those songs, that's actually, Bleed For Me is probably, you know, as far as music-wise goes, uh, is one of my, probably my favorite band uh, to play in uh, before before Pissy Match and Good Dude, obviously. But um, it was just, uh, <clears throat> we, were, we were a fucking machine, you know. We were just constantly writing music all the time. And playing shows, playing shows, playing shows, and uh, you know there's a lot of crazy things that went on with with Bleed for Me during the times too. I mean we were we 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 started our share of a few uh, few little tufts at shows and stuff, but um, <clears throat> it was a really really good time, you know. Um, you know Jay and I were 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 pretty inseparable during that time. Um, you know it was just uh, we were we were both in our in our twenties and just kind of being crazy kids and. And playing fucking hardcore music, um, and we uh, <clears throat> with that band we put out a we put out a couple demos. We put out a seven inch called uh, "You're Already Dead" with six songs. Uh, one of them being a Gorilla Biscuits cover of "Degradation," um, <clears throat> and then we eventually we ended up signing with uh, Sin Club Entertainment out of Ohio. Who had done uh, the PB Army was one of their bands. Uh, Lazy American Workers, who features uh, Beefcake the Mighty from Guar, um, <clears throat> but uh, most notably Kid Rock. So we were label mates with Kid Rock, um, and we we put out a record composition, um, you which can actually edit that too, Josh. <laughs> But uh, we put out the, a record composition where, um, you know, at this point we had gotten Aaron Radizak, uh, a.k.a. Beer Wolf, a.k.a. Monster Hands in the band. Um, and uh, we started writing in a different, I, I guess kind of going a, a bit of a different way. Um, still writing hardcore music, but we were more influenced by Faith No More than anything else. Um, that's, that's what we were all listening to at the time. Um, and we did a lot of weird instrumentals with a lot of weird percussions and stuff, uh, to the point where that record got labeled as, uh, uh, just a hippie stoner hardcore. Um, but, uh, but that, that, that shit was fun. Cause it was, it was literally, it was the most ex experimental thing that we've, you know, we've ever gotten to do. Hippie Stoner Hardcore sounds like an opening band for a Turnstile tour these days, though, you know? Right, right. So <laughs> that'd probably be fitting in pretty perfect there. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't know how, how my memory's not as good, but I feel like you weren't in Herod for a long time, but uh, the, the, the early recordings are, are, not, are a little bit different than, than what they turned into, obviously. That, that's more what you were a part of, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the early Herod... Um, they put out uh, an EP on Sounds of Revolution um, that I was not in the band for, um, but uh, and then Execution Protocol on Too Damn Hype, which I'm credited for, but I, I didn't play a lick on that record. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was uh, it was more of a metalcore band, 
you know um you know fun fun hardcore stuff um but but more on the metal side of that and then uh we recorded the only thing i ever recorded with that band was a was a five song demo that we did um initially we did with jocko in syracuse um, and then something got fucked up where, where it got erased and he was like, oh, you guys come back, I'll record it all for frame. We're like, we'll, we'll just redo it here. So we, so we did redo it here. I wanted to go back with Jocko, but at that time getting five of us to Syracuse was a little, little bit more difficult for, uh, for a couple days. Um, but yeah, it was a five song and that's, it, it was, it was very very metal kind of that's that i think that's where it started shifting from the metal core to the just straight up balls out metal that herod had become um yeah so i was in that band for maybe at the most two years um and uh it, it was it was it was fun it was fun for a while you know we did uh did some you know some out-of-town shows and a little bit of touring here and there and uh yeah that, you know i had a good time i always i, I love jeffers you know i always always have but uh <clears throat> my exit of that band was very shitty uh where we had a tour booked um and it just came down to the last day where i just decided i don't want to fucking go so i didn't go yeah, I think I gave them about an hour notice. That was, that was probably one of the worst things I've ever done to a, a group of people. Um, and, and Jeffers did not like me for a long time. You know, him and I were not, uh, we weren't boys, we weren't buddies. And then uh, Doug White got married, and he sat me and Mike at the same table. And uh, that's where we rekindled our love. And there's the half degree of separation with Doug White again, I guess, you know? Yep, yep, um, yep. Yep, he brought me and Jeffers back together, you know, and uh, you so, know, Mike's always always been a stand-up guy. So um, uh, Jonah was your singer, right? No, not not when I was in the band. This kid Nate no? Seibel was the singer. Okay. Yep. Yep. So I think, and they had a singer before him too. Yeah, there's a couple um, lineups. Josh Quoka. Yeah, Josh Quoka. Because yeah, I met uh, I met Jonah randomly at a restaurant in New Orleans that he was working at, and he uh, okay yeah 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 he picked up on our Western New York accent, and uh, said he was from Buffalo, and he was like, oh, I was in a you know, I was in a couple bands up there, blah blah blah, and I was like, name the bands, and he mentioned Herod, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm friends with Mike Jeffers, and then that's all it took, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonah, Jonah's a or Judah is a great guy. Judah, I remember, that's uh, Judah, yeah, yeah. Judah Moses Nero. Yeah, I yeah. Remember, um, Sorry that I we, said got his name wrong. Yeah, we worked together um, at a ESP. I remember when he moved down to New Orleans. That's 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 funny. Yeah, yeah. He was a good. It was it was cool to meet him. Yeah. Now I I know uh, as we kind of shift into more like recent bands, Joe. I told you beforehand that. We probably wouldn't go dive into all the bands you've been in tonight because I've realized with past guests that uh, when they've been in like 55 bands that sometimes it's better to <laughs> to highlight some of the uh, ones we want to talk about and then get them on right. for a volume two when there's more stuff going on because sometimes it's hard to... I don't like to talk about 20 bands in an hour and a half conversation because then it's like you're not really 
you know, diving into too many of them. And even now we're right, still kind of right. doing like rapid fire with some of them. Um, yeah. But um, kind of diving more into the recent ones, like I said, what I'm curious about, and I haven't done as much research, but uh, KC, aren't they from uh, Puerto Rico originally? Yes. So how did that, how yep. did they end up in Buffalo, I guess? Like, I, like again, okay. I haven't really done too much research on the band. Yeah, well, they, you know, they, they kind of had a connection to Buffalo with um, the band's Face to Panic, which Galvin was in, and Jeffers, um, Ruben, uh, Nick Gonzalez, and uh, Sweeper were in that band. And then this other band, <clears throat> which is uh, Able Danger, which is Aaron from Pissing Match. Um, so them two bands went down to Puerto Rico uh, to to play a couple shows, and and they met uh, Casper and Wonky down there, and um, <clears throat> you know so that's where the Buffalo connection started. You know, fast forward to a couple years later, um, Rhinoceros needed a bass player. And just Jay just, hey, I know this dude in Puerto Rico who's not doing anything. Maybe, you know, maybe he'll want to do it. <clears throat> he called up and, and Casper said, absolutely. Um, so he joined um, Rhinoceros and did some touring with Rhinoceros. And while he was touring with Rhinoceros, Casper, um, <clears throat> and I just saw Casper a couple weeks ago in Rochester. His band played at the Bug Jar. Um, but his, his mind is always, he's, it's always going, always thinking. So while he's on tour with them, um, he's working out everything to where he could get Juan and, um, Abby at the time, who was the drummer to move from Puerto Rico to Buffalo. Um, and so those two dudes moved to, uh, the funeral home and, all the you know all the while while this was going on jay gives me a call and he's like hey dude uh my my buddy casper um you know he's got this band kdc and uh they're gonna need a bass player would you be interested in it? and i'm like i mean you know send me something i i gotta hear it first and um so casper had emailed me the the record and uh i was blown away from from the first song so uh I'm just like, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, let's, let's, let's do this, and then, uh, I went, um, met those guys the day that they all arrived, um, and we kind of all got together, we jammed in a room, um, and then, uh, I think it was maybe a week later, we played a show, uh, at, um, at the funeral home, so I, I just, I learned the songs from their first, uh, their first two demos, and, um, and then from the, yeah from that point I think I played with them guys for about two and a half years um, up to the point where I just I couldn't do it anymore because uh, they just touring all the time um, and this whole time I you know I got two kids um, so it's like I can only you know I can only do so much um, so I took a step back um, and uh, and then and I think they kept going for about another another year year and a half just constantly touring stuff put out another record and stuff but uh that was a very very fun band to be in um you know abby had left he'd gone to puerto rico pretty quickly during all this so that's where aaron king came into the picture but uh being on the road with uh juan casper and aaron were some of the best times of my life i mean just we we all we all got along so well it's, it's you know such different personalities but uh that that music was 
was fucking awesome, um, and it was really, really fun playing with those guys. Like, those guys, they're, musically, their heads were in the same exact spot that my head was in. So, it just, it really, really worked out well. I I have a couple more questions about KDC, but I think we're going to lose Jim for the night, so I kind of want to let Jim sign off. And, and Jim, if you got any shout-outs or plugs if you want to do before you do, too, that's cool, too, obviously. I don't know when this will come out, but Moment Truth's playing a free show at the Record Archive in the beginning of November. And I just want to encourage all of your listeners to check out absolutely anything my good friend Joe Valella has been on. Obviously, he's a man of many bands and a solid dude. And, Joe, I'm glad I was here with you. Um, my computer is on 3% right now. So, love you, buddy. Hope to see you soon. Thanks, Josh. See you guys. Thanks, Jim. I really appreciate it. Oh, there he goes. Um, so... I guess I guess uh, it'll just be uh, the two of us for the last couple bands here, and these are the ones that I want to kind of. Uh, well, actually, first before we do that, I have a question about KDC because didn't you guys do shit with Irish Voodoo? Yeah, yeah, we uh, we put out uh, a seven inch with I- Irish Voodoo. Um, uh, the blood on my hands, or the dirt on my hands, is what it's called. Sorry, um, little, little five song banger, um, and uh, yeah. Joey Voodoo, uh, he, that that kid is is so cool, man, um, and loves Buffalo. You know, he puts out a lot of Buffalo bands, um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Casper had met him on tour while he was on tour with Rhinoceros, and just gave him um, a, a, a KDC demo. And and by the time Casper had gotten back, he's calling. He's like, "Yo, I want to put something out. I want to put something out." Um, so, and also what those guys did on that record, uh, very, very cool, um, was, I, I had no idea. We went to California to do a tour in California and that's where we picked the records up. Uh, so we go, we meet up with Joe, we grab the records, pull it out. Side A is, is my son. Side B is my daughter. Um, so that was, that was, that was, that was a really, really cool surprise that those guys did for me. Um, but yeah, that that record got pressed. I I want to say five times. Wow, five repressions. The the main reason why I bring it up too is because I feel like it hasn't come up as much recently. But when I first started doing this podcast, like all the people I interviewed had done records on Irish Voodoo. It seemed like because it was like yeah. Antonucci yeah. and Jeffers and a, a bunch of other people. And I weird. I was trying to trace it back with some of them, and then I think one of them said like. I think it was KDC. It was the first Buffalo band that he worked with, yep, and then it just yep. kind of yes, we snowballed from there. So it was you guys. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because it's crazy. Because there's at least I want to say like four or five other Buffalo bands that he's worked with, right? Like Longest War. Yeah, yeah. So he did. Yeah, he did Longest War. He did um, Juggernaut, um, Pissy Match. Um, Pure Heel. I know. Huh? Pure Heel. Pure Heel. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. How can I forget them? Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so yeah, I guess more on the, on the current front and, 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 uh, this, this band is honestly kind of the reason why we're doing this. Um, hopefully I'll get this all edited in time. Cause aren't you guys, Pissing Match is playing in Rochester this weekend, right? No, not this weekend. Next weekend. Even better. Um, we're pl- go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. September 30th. Uh, we're playing at Rosencrown, um, which is a tiny, tiny, tiny place. Um, and we're playing there with Solaco. Um, so I'm super, super excited about it. Um, I love, I love Eric. I love Lon, you know, Chris and Brian all, and just, just to be playing with Solaco again is, uh, is going to be pretty, pretty fun. Um, and this is, 
Weirdly enough, with uh, with Pissy Man, you think this is only the third time we've ever played Rochester? Over the nine years or however many years we've been a band? Um, you know, for some reason, we don't get asked to play in Rochester a lot, so... So whenever we do, we just kind of jump on it. I, I'll have a bunch, of, a couple other pissy match questions too. But sticking with this show, how did that? How did this thing come about? Did they, did they get a hold of you guys, Salako, or? Yeah, like uh, Eric kind of put out a call, you know, and he's like, "Hey, uh, you know, we need a third band." And then uh, I just, I just kind of shooting the, I text him, I'm like, "Hey, man, we'll do it." And he's like, "The match?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure, yeah, the match." And he's like, "Fuck yeah, you guys are on." So that's that's just how it came about. That's sick. Uh, that place is yeah. tiny too. I, I went there. It for, really is. Like the weight we carry, and a bunch of other bands played there uh, not too long ago. And there was once it gets like fifty people in there, it's packed. Um, yeah, yeah. What what bands have you played with with at that place that, that you're uh, familiar with or whatever? Or have you just been there? Well, no. Pissy Match played there. Um, yeah, that's that's we we played there once before actually with Sawako. Um, but this was like maybe six six years ago or something like that. Um, and then I played there also with uh, Circus Grenade, which was a, a, a later kind of fledgling death, you know, thing, but but goofier. Um, and uh, KDC played there. I don't know why I thought that show was the 24th that you guys were playing there with Salaka. I was, I, my, my dates are all over the place now with, uh, you know, the kids and being in school and, like, what we were talking about before and shit, so. Right, right. Uh, yeah, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm glad you thought it was the 24th because now we got, we got more time to, to, to prepare for it. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be the 30th, and it's, I, I think the show starts at, doors open at 7. Um, yeah be a fun time yeah no that's that's cool so uh have you guys been actively playing shows and stuff for like pretty recently in pissing match or um we're um we'll we'll play if we're asked um if you know if, if if kind of it works out right um the thing with aaron being in syracuse um and the rest of the band you know we got kids wives we you know we got living to do other bands everybody has another band um so we get together whenever we can. Um, I say we play maybe, on average, the past couple of years, maybe three shows a year or something like that. Um, and we just did, uh, last Friday, we we played um, live on WBNY, which is our, our college radio station here in Buffalo. And uh, that was a really, real fun time. Um, yeah, but... Uh, after this show on the 30th, we don't have anything booked. We uh, we really want to kind of write our our third record, um, which is something we've been we've been neglecting for a little bit because life gets in the way of living for everybody, you know. So, <clears throat> but that's what we're going to be working on now is um, <clears throat> just writing the record, uh, getting it recorded. Um, hopefully, Joey Voodoo will put this one out as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, once we get this all out, then I, I think we're going to be more open to playing more shows. Um, for a while, we, I mean, we were doing, we were doing quite a few shows all over the Northeast. Um, and it just, uh, <clears throat> you know, shit just came up in the way, but, uh, but we're all still very, very into, into it. Um, 
and, you know, just give us a call, and if we can line up, we'll, we'll come and play. Now, being a dad, I'm curious about this question. Like, I don't play in bands, but I just want to go to some shows here and there, and it's kind of hard sometimes because, mm-hmm. like, I, my, my kids are, like, one and four, and, like, I feel like now we're at that age where it's hard to get them both to go to sleep, and, like, so we each kind of have to get one of them to go to sleep. Like, right. did you ever have right. a period like that where you weren't, like, able to play a lot of shows or go to a lot of shows because of, like, like, parenting and stuff, you know what I mean? Or, like, was there a way yeah, to balance yeah. everything? or. Yeah, yeah. I mean, still to this day, I I don't go to nearly half the shows that I want to go to, um, <clears throat> but I, I kind of make it a priority if I if I book something for one of my bands, um, or we'll kind of work it out to where yeah it's acceptable to go this day or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so and I have four kids, so you know I guess seventeen, fourteen, five, and three. Um, so. The the five and the three year old are the they're the challenge right now of getting to go to bed, but um, but luckily Jessica my fiance is um, you know she knows how much I love the music, um, so she's you know she's always really you know willing to work with me um, if if there's a show like like last maybe the week before last you know my cousin called me up. And uh, he's like, hey, you want to go to Ithaca tomorrow to go see Dinosaur Jr.? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't think I'll be able to. But uh, and then I asked her, and she's like, yeah, sure, go. And he's like, I got this. So, um, and I'll do the same for her. So it's just, I don't know. At, at 5 and 3, they go to bed kind of at the same time now. So, so it'll get easier, man. It'll, <laughs> it's just a phase right now. I feel like I could start a whole parenting podcast at this point on just the tips and tricks and stuff now. Because I've been a stay-at-home dad for like a year, and nighttime yeah. stuff is just such a juggling act. And I always just feel bad going, really going places, you know. Yeah. So, um, But uh, I guess the last the last band on the docket for tonight, uh, uh, Good Dude. Um, so, are you, so what are you in, two, two right now currently then? Or that, oh, yeah, 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 Good Dude and, um, and Pissing Match. Um, I was in a third for a little while during the pandemic, call, um, which was uh, the original guitarist from Bleed For Me, Paul, and uh, the drummer from Bleed For Me, Chris. But, uh, you know, that was kind of, kind of another thing where we couldn't, you know, it's hard to get together and practice at this age. But, yeah, Good Dude is, um, that's really kind of kind of the full-time, I guess, band, you know, where we're actually, like, practicing every week. Um, and, and playing regular shows throughout the year, um, which Good Dude is not a hardcore band. Um, it's uh, instrumental, kind of nerdy rock with a lot, like a pop element to it, but but also, you know, we, we keep it as, as heavy as we possibly can. You know, and some of the songs we have are, are actually super heavy. But, um, but for the most part, it's just nerdy instrumental rock that's that's kind of driven by a synthesizer, um, and uh, I have, uh, you know, we use a lot of effects, a lot of weird things, um, and you know, just, that's just all Lockport kids, you know, people that that I grew up with that all that always played in bands with different styles of bands and stuff like that, and. You know, just the one day, uh, Chris was just like, "Hey, you wanna wanna start a band?" And I'm like, "Fuck yeah, let's you know, let's let's do it. Let's, you know, because I I like playing all different kinds of music. Um, and it's it's been it's been fun. We've been together now for I 
four, four or five years, I would say. Um, put out a couple, um, you know, a couple recordings uh, you can find online anywhere, anywhere, you know, just look up Good Dude 716, you'll find us everywhere. Um, but that that's more of a lighthearted, fun band, so... That's one thing I, I guess I should have brought up like in the middle of the conversation because I know at one point you said, as we all kind of tend to do when we really dive into hardcore, or I guess I don't really know how it is in the, in the, in the current age, but it seemed like in the 80s and 90s when everybody got really into hardcore, they that's what they were like really like into and it wasn't like everything on the outside was just kind of forget about it for a while, especially like musically. Yeah. So like, but obviously yeah. you've played in like different bands and stuff. So like at what point did you kind of listen like were you listening to other music or just hardcore you know what i mean like when did you kind of get into all these other influences and stuff you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i mean i you know i had everything kind of early growing up um you know and my my parents listened to uh, a lot of different music that that influenced me as well you know like the beatles uh you know a lot of motown music and stuff like that but um i'm gonna go ahead and say the band that kind of you know, when I was in my, my hardcore-only mindset, the, the band that kind of made me say, ooh, what is that, you know, was uh, was Portishead. Um, and then, you know, I, I got really, really heavy into Portishead, and then just, you know, start listening to other things from there, more, I guess, pop-sensible stuff. Like, like, you know, to this day, one of my favorite bands is The Cardigans. Um they're known for one pretty bad song as their single, um, and they, they got a thousand badass songs. But, but, um, and that's kind of what I tend to listen to more nowadays too. Is um, not so much, not a lot of new hardcore bands. I still listen to a lot of the old ones, um, but uh, I mean, I'm more apt to listen to bands like Idols. Um, Actually, I'm I'm in the minority here of people I know, but I really like the new Angel Dust record. I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's about a year old now, I I think, but it's very it it kind of reminds me almost a little bit of the the Violent Femmes first record, just because it's like mostly acoustic yeah. and it's a, it's a pretty big change from from where uh, Angel Dust started. But uh, the album they had before this one, you can kind of see them going in that direction. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I still listen to a lot of hardcore bands, but for the most part, um, you know, I go more towards, uh, I don't want to say the softer things, because I still listen to the, a lot of crazy punk rock and stuff, but uh, yeah, I don't know. My As far as my musical influences go, uh, I, I just kind of listen to everything um as cliche as it is i'll say i don't appreciate country music for the most part um at least the pop country um but but other than that i can pretty much listen to everything you know i wish i wish jim was still here because he would definitely chime in on this too but when you were talking about all the early hip-hop stuff early on i was thinking about how crazy that it was because like that's what i was into before hardcore like in the early 90s like all the all the early 90s like what I guess you would call like boom bap hip hop and stuff, you know what I mean? Like as a teenager, yeah. that's what I first got into. Like, did you keep listening to, or like listen, like keep, like keeping in contact with rap at all? Or, or, or after yep, it? yep, yeah, yeah. Never, never stopped, never stopped there. Um, although I don't 
listening to uh, you know, like the mumble rap, all that that kind of stuff. Uh, your you know your little SoundCloud rappers. And I I don't want anything to do with that stuff. But uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of like uh, Tobe Nuegwe. Um, he's really he's really really good. Um, you know, and I, I you know run the jewels. I, I you know they're one of the newer bands. I I, I really really like. Um, and I like their political message that they have too, but uh, but yeah, man, I'll uh, I'll I'll never stop listening to rap. Yeah, the last current stuff I was really listening to was like all all, all the Buffalo shit that was really popping off, which still is obviously. I haven't kept yeah, the up. Griselda stuff. Yeah, yeah. I haven't kept up yeah. as kept up as much with them. Like I still listen to Benny the Butcher, but um, mm-hmm. and then I think Action Bronson was probably one of my favorite like rappers from like the last like ten or fifteen years, just because. Of all the wrestling references and all the other like crazy shit that right. he has to say, you know. But yeah, um, yeah, he had a. I loved his TV show too. That, fuck, that's delicious. I've actually never seen it, but I've. Uh, I definitely. I don't. I don't know. If, I think. I don't know if we. I don't think we have Vice, so I'm, I'm sure I could probably access okay. the show somewhere. But he's a, he's right, a character right. though. I don't know if you. He he really is. Yeah. yeah. He's he's doing like some shit with like wrestling now and shit too, and it's just crazy because I listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts and now. They're, like, making fun of him on there, and I'm like, man, it's so crazy, like, when... Because it's like Brody from God's Hate is a wrestler, and Andy Williams is a wrestler, so, like, they'll make fun of them. Right, right. And, and it's like, now they're making fun of Action Bronson. It's, like, just so crazy when all these worlds collide like that with my fake, uh, the wrestling shit, which I don't really watch current wrestling, but I just, like, listen to the podcast where they talk about, like, the, the 80s shit or whatever, you know? But, right, right. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, lo- I love that old wrestling, too. You yeah. know, we definitely... Yeah, that that played a big influence on my growing up too. I'd imagine being friends with somebody like Jay Galvin too, and talking about Herba earlier. You guys all have the wrestling thing in common, you know. So, oh yeah. Um, but I guess uh, I think that pretty much wraps up all the questions. Like I said, there's probably like a, a couple dozen other bands we could talk about, and um, next time one of your bands is playing in Rochester, it'll get you on for like a volume two type thing, or if you want or whatever, and see if we okay. want to. If Jim's down to do another one, or if Jim's annoyed at uh, getting pulled in so late tonight, we'll see. <laughs> um, but no, I guess kind of wrapping up. Is there anything else that we missed, or anything that uh, you want to add to the discussion, or anything? Um, yeah, I guess uh, I, you know, I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't give our plugs or whatever. But um, so you uh, you can find all of Pissing Matches music on Spotify only. Um, and and Bandcamp as well, but um, there there was there was a thing where you know like companies like Apple Music and stuff they charge for songs, and they kept rejecting us because our songs are too short. But since Spotify doesn't you know doesn't charge you by the song, they're the only uh, I guess the only streaming service for music that that would let us on there. So you can find all the all the pissing match stuff on there. You can also find all the good dude stuff anywhere, and anywhere you can find music. And um, something near and dear to my heart that I've been working on for three years, and we uh, we've we've made it to gold, but we could always use more. Um, was a uh, bringing a concrete skate park to Lockport. Um, so we started this effort three years ago. We've had a wooden park here since 2006. That's kind of falling apart um and three years ago we kind of put 10 grand in skate light to to resheet everything um and at that point um we had started a campaign to to raise money 
uh, to get a concrete park. Uh, we partnered up with the Tony Hawk Foundation, which is now just called the Skate Park Foundation. Um, and uh, so we ended up raising uh, $250,000. Um, and the, the Ralph C. Wilson Jr. Foundation um, kicked in another $250,000. Um, and uh, the skate park project gave us $50,000 in additional funds for like green space and stuff. Um, we just signed a contract with Grindline Skate Parks out of Seattle. They're going to be building it. Um, so phase one is hopefully we'll break ground in the fall. Um, but uh, we're, we're still raising money for <clears throat> instructions um, and also safety equipment for, you know, for the kids. Uh, since Lockport is an underserved community for the most part, um, so anything that we can do to help these kids, you know, learn something more that they want to do and do it safely. Um, so uh, you can go to the Lockport Rail Yard Skate Park anywhere online. Um, you can find out how to donate there. I know there's a GoFundMe um, and, you know, there, there's a couple other things. If you ever want to come to our events, we do a lot of cool events too, you know, skate contests with, uh, with essentially bands playing all day long. Um, so so that's, that's been kind of my, I guess, my, my big mission for the past few years. Um, but uh, but we made it, man. We're gonna have uh, we're gonna have a concrete skate park in a city where skateboarding was illegal when I was a kid. It's really cool. I I've mentioned on here several times that I never mastered like ollieing or any shit like that, so I never really skated that much. Like I would use it for like, you know, getting from point A to point B occasionally. But tonight though, I, or earlier today, whatever, I was walking downtown Rochester and I walked by our skate park too. That's outdoors, like the one you're talking about, like concrete or whatever. I think it's concrete anyways, right? Yes, yes, that's another uh, Tony Hawk uh, Foundation project. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like yeah. you're saying, think about how far this shit's come from, like, seeing the shit and, like, gleaming the cube and shit where it's like seems like total outlaw shit, and, like, I'm sure... Like, I never skated, but I'm sure, like, obviously you probably did if you're doing all this, you know what I mean, right? Yep, yep. So Still I can do. imagine you can tell stories about, like, being fucked with and just, like, how different it was back then compared to now, how it's just... Oh. It's so crazy, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I ran constantly from cops because it was it was straight up illegal in the city of Lockport. Shit was fucking weird back in that time. I don't know, but uh, but now we have you know some Lockport cops actually showing up to you know to hop on a board over there and stuff. You know, so, so yeah, it's a, it's a much 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 different thing. And then uh, our current mayor. Um, uh, she's a wonderful woman. Um, she was also a skateboarder back in the 90s. So she was just 100% behind this the whole way and, and helped us kind of get uh, get through a lot of red tape. Yeah, that's but, really uh, cool. Yeah, I'm just like, I, I saw you post something on Facebook at some point about that, and I was like, man, that's really cool. That you, I didn't realize you were, like, that involved with it or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Have there been any sorts of ties to hardcore with it at all, aside from you? Like any? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've had uh, we've had a few bands play there. Uh, Juggernaut played there last year. Um, so, but uh, but coming up, once this park is built, you know, there's an area that's kind of kind of designated that bands can can set up and stuff like that. So we're gonna we're you know we're gonna be 
having as many shows as we possibly can over there, um, and uh, most of those will be hardcore shows. That's so, sick. Buffalo's got such a such a such a on the I say like Buffalo Rochester Syracuse Buffalo like has the most like bands that came running out of the gate from after COVID and shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like yeah. there's there's definitely bands on the come up in in Rochester and Syracuse too, but it just seemed right. like in 2020 like like a, just there's like a million new bands in Buffalo. You know? Right, right. With Buffalo, yeah. I mean, you got Exhibition, you got Space, you got Smash and Grab, you got uh, Final Declaration. I mean, and these are they're all fantastic fucking bands that just like you said, just came out of nowhere, you know, so it's, uh, it's a, a lot of cool things happening in Buffalo Hardcore, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited to see where, where everything gets taken. Yeah, no, definitely, so uh, I guess kind of wrapping up then, and before I give like my final shout-outs and plugs, anything else uh, you want to give shout-outs to or anything like that? Uh, nope, no, no, I think I'm all good, um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, this was a real, real fun interview. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I can't, I hope, hope to see you next Friday. Unfortunately, uh, I was hoping that it wouldn't come to this in the podcast. That's why I was, when you said the 30th, I was like, damn, I wish it was the 24th. Cause of all the times I'd never go anywhere outside of Rochester. I couldn't tell you the last time I left Rochester. Right. Actually, I went to see section eight in Buffalo over the summer. But other than that, I couldn't tell you the last time I left Rochester. We're going, we have, we're going to a wedding in Cape Cod uh next oh, thursday yeah. through sunday okay. so yeah okay. Uh, okay i was stoked to see you guys too because i've actually never seen pissing match so i'll have to uh right. have to hope you guys it won't be six years before you guys play rochester again or I'll get right to the next, right right get to buffalo yeah yeah any anytime anytime we can uh we can get back there i actually tried to get on that uh la armada zeta show that happened at the bug jar a couple weeks ago but uh that was already booked um so no hopefully we can we can get back there you know, I'd say after the first of the year. Definitely. All right. Well, yeah. I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, I definitely want to thank Joe for taking the time to do the interview. I want to thank Jim for taking the time to help with the interview and being a part of the interview. Um, as always, thanks to Rob Antonucci, Greg Benoit, and Jim Byrne for all the help with the podcast. Thanks to my family for helping uh, facilitate all this. Uh, thanks to everybody who supports the Patreon. Uh, the link's always going to be in the show notes for that, and you get your episodes a little bit early, like I said in the beginning. Um, be more episodes coming real soon. Uh, keep your eyes open. Uh, thanks, everybody, for, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, see everybody real soon, and stay safe.